Welcome to episode three of 115 Miles. In this episode, we have a look at a difficult learning curve for myself. We discuss the hero that is Captain Tom Moore and Hass chucks around some deep and meaningful questions. We hope you enjoy. This is 115 Miles with Josh Connolly and Hassan Kaya. Living exactly 115 miles apart, our lives could not have been more different growing up, yet we find ourselves today as really good friends with many similar outlooks and perspectives. Join us on our podcast as we take a topical dive into life, work, culture and everything in between. And <laughs> <laughs> we're in. We are live episode three of 115 Miles. Hass, how you doing, mate? Yes, I'm good, mate. How are you? I'm all right, mate. Uh, do you know what? I'm excited about today. I'm excited and I'm feeling good about today's podcast. Yeah? Why so? Uh, do you know what, right? The reality is, is I think the last couple of weeks, up until about three or four days ago, I didn't realise that I was... Uh, struggling's the wrong word, right? But I was in a little bit of a... Uh, I wasn't my 100% self, basically. And so uh, uh, this happens to me a lot when I'm in it, when I'm in a, a, like a little bit of a tricky space with how I feel, I, I can't communicate it. I don't or I, I don't communicate it until afterwards. I don't know if you've noticed it in me because you, you speak to me every day, but um, I go through these periods where mm. I have these little and I don't think it's necessarily to do with lockdown or, 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 or the way the world is. I just go through these moments. Uh, one of the ways you can tell is because I go a little, I go like overly evangelical. I get a little bit like abrasive and a bit like really wanting to push all my thoughts. It's a way of like, it's a deflection tactic, it's a coping mechanism. Rather than like allowing anybody to come into my space, I just start being righteous and picking out what's wrong everywhere else so that I never have to kind of look in. You get a bit ranty, don't you? I've noticed it sometimes. Yeah, I get really ranty because I, I start focusing on everyone else and what's wrong with other people as a way of not having to look at what I'm struggling with. Do you know what I mean? Cool. So what shifted, do you think, this week? Um, I can never really tell what it is that shifts. It just... Uh, I don't know. I don't know what I can put my... I do think I, I, I often reach a point in the end where I'm in a bit too much pain and it's become too uncomfortable. And I think to myself, I've got to do something about this. And then I go in. That's when I start looking in and I think, what's going on? What's wrong with me? And uh, I think I've done that maybe, what day are we on now? Tuesday. The back end of last week. I think my four kids come in really helped. So my four kids came this weekend. Um, obviously, I've, I've got six children and I live with two. And so when the other four came this weekend... You don't have enough. Probably, I don't have much time to think about myself. Mm. So, and yeah, lo lots of fun and fun. laughter and joking around and pissing about and yeah, outdoor and time. They, 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 you know, the kids just force me back to being myself. They force me back to where I need to be. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, wicked. What about you? What about you? How are you? Yeah, I'm. I'm riding this out. You know, like you know, I'm. Yeah. I'm um, trying to stay focused on work with existing clients, as I've sort of talked about before. Um, also, 
thinking about trying to think about what's next and so we're doing some stuff around that which is it's exciting you know it's um uh it's exciting in the sense that you know we're just trying to do things differently it is an exciting being in the situation that we're in right now yeah. um and i think what i'm really starting to really appreciate over the last couple of weeks is the gift that is being around, you know, being around loved ones so much is just like we're forming new bonds, you know, like and that are going to last a long time that that may have not have been as strong, you know, so with my kids, I'm talking about my kids, basically, and you know, and just being there every day and being with each other every day. That's wicked. Yeah. So I'm excited yeah. about today as well. You know, this is number three. Um, and I'm really enjoying, you know, we, you know, it, it, in a way, it's a different kind of a conversation that we have. We're ve we would be lying if we didn't say, we, you know, that it was completely normal. We're talking into microphones and, yeah. you know, and recording and all that stuff. But um, it's actually, I think, you know, it's elevating certain aspects of the conversation. And I'm enjoying some of the nice feedback that we're getting from people, you know, who are listening to it. I think I do want to unpack actually a little bit. Uh, probably what instigated me moving back towards coming back to myself in the last couple of weeks. You, you kind of know about this. Um, I, ha I, I did a post on one of my social media. It was on Facebook. Uh, I did a slightly petulant post about uh, Boris Johnson, right? Anybody that knows me well knows that when I get on my, when I get a little bit political, I, I'll be the first to tell you I start leaning too far left and I become over, you know, uh, overly left and I get too far and I stop listening and I become a little bit petulant. So I did a post and this was before Boris Johnson um, went to hospital. Uh, and actually, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what the post said. The post said, have you heard about the guy who bragged about shaking hands with Corona patients in a hospital and then caught the virus himself and passed it on to loads of people that he worked with and his pregnant wife. You wouldn't have seen him for a while. He's been in isolation. That's what it said. Now, it was before he went into hospital. It was petulant, but the point I was trying to make was it was actually born out of, I was seeing loads and loads of posts where people were saying, stay at home and like taking pictures of people in fields and stuff like that. Um, and I got a little bit, uh, I, I got antsy about it, right? And I was like, we, we shouldn't be pointing at each other when our leader's doing this. Now, anyway, the kind of the idea around it's neither here nor there, but what happened to it was is maybe for the first time um, since I've you know been visible in the way that I am and become invisible, I got quite a bit of backlash. Um, now I'm used to people um, kind of digging me out in a in a not very nice way because I do get some private messages from people that want to that, that kind of call me out and get really argumentative with me but this was very sort of public it was on the thread and what i think hurt me and it did hurt me i'm happy to say it hurt me were the comments like i'm surprised that you i thought you were different um and and and, and one or two people started to question my ability to um do the charity work that i do and someone actually made a formal complaint to one of the charities. Now I did what I normally do, which is acted like I don't care and like da da, da it doesn't matter. But the reality was is that I felt a lot of anxiety around it for, for two or three days. And 
I had to start to question where is that? Why is that? Why am I feeling that? And what I did realize is that my natural instinct when people tell me things about me that they don't like is to want to change those things about me so that I can get them to like me again. And we had a couple of conversations about it. Um, and what, you know, eventually the learning, the big learning that I took from it is that I can't talk about authenticity and being who you really are like I do in the way that I do um, and be liked by everyone. I want to be myself. I want to be my whole self. Uh, kind of warts and all. Yeah, everything that comes with being me. Uh, I want to be all of those things. And I have to start to realize that if I want to do that and be true to myself, then I can't be liked by everyone. And that has helped me to change my path a little bit. It's been a big learning in the last couple of weeks. Um, and it's, you know, I realize now that I can't seek validation from everyone. I, for a long time, I think I wanted to be somebody to everyone. Um, and I think you can't be that and be true to yourself. Mm. Uh, but that was a grapple for me and it was a painful learning, but it's, but I have learned from it. Um, I've learned uh, big from it and I feel so much more free now as a result. I think, um, I mean, the, the nature of what you do versus what I do is you, you put yourself out more um, to a wider audience uh, and your audience, you know, ranges from people who have been through a journey around addiction, maybe in addiction, have, you know, rec recovered, recovering <clears throat> through to kind of, you know, people that are in the workspace and, you know, fellow professionals and all those sorts of things. And um, everyone sort of has an opinion. But when you put something out that is potentially polarizing, if it's politics, if it's calling out a member of the royal family, or if it's calling out a member of parliament or the prime minister in this case um it's gonna it's gonna bring out people and then the nature of society that we're in now um you've also got people who actively uh jump into the social sphere to make points um i saw the post we've talked about it you know it's not just about um you know how people react to it you were trying to project and you were trying to broadcast something and and we talked about at the time i think um it's not it's it's not and or you know so what mm. boris did was wrong you know and you know the, the kind of the way that he was going around um the uk shaking hands and a laissez-faire kind of approach to to the whole thing not turning up to cobra meetings and all that sort of stuff has impacted us and there'll be people who uh will believe that that's complete bollocks and you know that that's not true and then there will other, there'll be other people that can recognize that there is a lot of truth to the fact that we are you know really struggling with um uh you know with with the impact of t having a laissez-faire approach so there's that and people shouldn't be going out you know and congregating in parks so it's not like don't just, you know, you should be focusing on what Boris has done. Actually, you know, both situations are bad. But in this yeah. in this case, and I don't think they're, you know, they're not comparable in my view. Um, they're just part of the same ecosystem of people should be doing things differently. People should yeah. be respecting what, you know, the situation we're in. Yeah. and I, But it did, it did teach me that um, when you put yourself out in a certain way across social media. Now, I... The way that I use social media, I don't actually use it in the 
the wider way in which it's used, which is to like, here's what I'm doing, here's what I'm, I'm out and about doing this. Actually, when you really look at my social media, it's all based around kind of the work that I do, right? So I do um, share a lot of myself with my audience, right? Yeah. Um, but there's a lot of myself that I realize don't get, doesn't get shared. <clears throat> and what I could realize is that on, this was a post on Facebook, right? And so my Facebook audience see me in a completely different light to my Twitter audience, for example, because on Twitter, I post stuff like that all of the time, like all of the time. So it wouldn't be a surprise there. And so people um, create an image of who you are and they, you know, people feel like they know you. And then when you do something like, to, like, you know me, right? So if I had said that to you on the phone, we would have ended up probably laughing about it and joking about it because you'd have took the mickey out of me for, you'd have said, oh, he's got his left hat on again. He's do, do you know what I mean? Or something like that. But because people don't know me, so they don't know the context of it, uh, it really awakened me to that, to that understanding that, um, that, that people will create an image of you based on what they know. And it's definitely helped me to realize that going forward, I want to be, I want to show more, more of myself so that people can get a, a much more um, fuller idea of who I am. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And I'm glad, you know, that you've taken some stuff away from it. And it's definitely, you know, I've definitely felt uh, a shift in you over the last couple of weeks. What do you think is the wider societal learning then f that, you, you know, so f f taking what you've ta uh, learned as an individual, what's the reflection for society around kind of what's the bigger lesson? Okay. Yeah, yeah. So I do, I do have, a, I do have a reflection and a, and a lesson that I, that I believe from that. Social media, particularly social media, will always create the idea that you have a bigger community, or that you can create a bigger community than you actually have. The trap, and it's a trap that I clearly got caught up in is the belief that however many people you have within that community, so I'm talking followers, friends, connections, depending on whatever social thing you're on, right? Um, is the belief that all of that, the whole of it is your community, right? It's important to stay true to yourself. And if you stay true to yourself, that community will become smaller because being true to yourself will mean that some people won't like you. But you are much better to have a smaller, more prosperous community that is buying into you and um, likes you for your whole self than you are for trying to build a much larger community. That means that you have to wear certain masks and be a certain way in order to be liked. Now, the reason I fall into that category of doing that so easily is because the environment in which, you know, I grew up as a young boy desperate to be loved, right? I grew up, the, the, my initial years in the environment that I lived in was an environment where I, I felt like I had to be something in order to be part of my family. Yeah, so I had to push down and bury certain emotions in order to be loved. So I grew up to become somebody who's kind of conditioned to do that, to push down and bury my emotions and be who you want me to be so that you can like me. Uh, and I want to, and I'm moving towards, and part of my healing journey is to become much more authentic to myself. And this is who I am. 
you can like me or you do, you can not like me, but this is who I am. When I do that, my community is the people around me, like I've said, it will, will be smaller, but they will be real. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, no, of course. And I think, sense. and I do think that's the way to learn. And I think it's easily easy to fall into that trap, not just on social media, but in general. Mm. And I, I think lots of us do yeah. fall into it. I, I want to pick up on um, something you said, you know, when you first started chatting about this, um, you said your tendency is, you know, when you learn about things that people don't like, your tendency is to want to fix those things, right? Mm -hmm. And that's sort of a fixing, fi fixing weakness kind of approach. And the reason I picked up on that is, you know, a lot of, uh, as you know, a lot of the kind of the framing for our, for our work and our philosophy is positive psychology. We use the strength-based approach. And the whole notion of strength for us is, um, is um, to really focus on the things that energize you, right? And to lean into the world with those. And through that, you start to look at the things that, uh, that are kind of non-strengths or drainers. Um, we use this a brilliant tool called StrengthScope. Um, as the, kind of the, the base of what we do. And that really, you know, that really, you know, I think uh, hones in on on helping people to understand, yeah, this is the stuff that really, like, really fires me up, alerts me, gets me excited. And so uh, most of what you're doing in the world is, is, you know, you living through your strengths. And it's just when some of that stuff comes in, um, you start to you start to realize that, that something's being drained, your energy's being drained around that situation, whatever it is. Part of it will be uh, the impact that you um, uh, that you think you know might be happening as a result of the conversation happening. You know, the mm. lack of control, all that stuff is kind of de-energizing. So, um, you know, always try and lean in with the things that energize you to address the things that you are you know that are draining you in that situation. So, um, in that moment, what you did was. Um, you sort of caught it and then you step back and you reflected. And so one of the things that energizes you that I, I, I know is meditation, it's mindfulness, it's mindful practice. Mm. And actually you caught it, you use some of that. So the thing that energized you and then you came back and you looked at it with a different perspective. And I think that's really like in this moment when you're sort of caught up, you're overwhelmed, you're, you know, it's, it's really intense, the level of kind of mm. social media activity, um, uh, you know, the, the kind of the constant kind of news cycle around like, you know, how bad things are. Um, so one of the ways you can do is if you catch it is to kind of, you know, go back and retreat into positively retreat, I should say, because sometimes retreat feels a bit like a negative word, but positively retreat into your strengths, into the things that energize you and then come mm. back at it with a fresh perspective. Yeah. And that's so true. And actually, do you know what? The I think the reason why this probably hit me harder than it normally would is because when I'm out there in the normal world doing my thing and living the life that I normally live, that post would have happened, then I would have been out delivering or whatever it was, you know, floating about doing my work and I would have gained some perspective and I would have gone away from that and I would have come back to it at the end of the day and I probably wouldn't have even engaged or started like trying to defend myself because I would have just, I'd have been in my strengths all day and, the, and it would have given me some perspective. Mm. And I think in the current environment that we live in, as in being in lockdown, I didn't have that opportunity, right? There was no opportunity there for me to escape it and to, to re-kind of uh, ground myself in my strengths and in what works for me. So I think that it consumed my mind. When it happened, 
it consumed my mind and I spent the rest of the day kind of, it was there in my head and I couldn't get away with it, away from it. So I think you're right. I think that's what happened. Wicked. But it's good. It's like in those moments, that's where the learnings come. Yeah. It's through discomfort that I learn. There's no doubt about that. Um, I hone my skills when I'm in that, in, in, in no struggle. But when I go into the struggle, I have a real, I, I always come up with a big learning. Mm. And I think that's, that's the positive from it. Right. Brilliant. Uh, and how are you feeling generally about the world at the moment? You know, like, I, I don't struggle too much with this, right? Um, my, my life is not too drastically different from what it would be when we're not in lockdown. I'm quite introverted. I like staying in and all that stuff anyway. Um, and I can't wait to get, I can't wait to get back out there. Like that massively cannot wait to get back out there, but it, it hasn't had a hugely um, draining and negative impact on me in the way that I know it might f for some people. But, but uh, I definitely, I miss my, my close family. Um, I miss, you know, being able to, we go over our in-laws a lot, uh, you know, and, and spend a lot of time there. And I do miss that. I'm missing football a lot. I'm missing the release that I get from football, mm. from playing it, from watching it, from talking about it, the banter and everything that comes with that. So I'm missing all of that. Um, and, and I am, you know, I do, I have started checking the news in a, you know, is the end coming kind of a way. What, how are you doing with it? How, how do you feel about it all? I'm all right, as I keep saying, you know. Um, I think the, uh, I think, I think I'm trying not to get caught up in all the speculation. Is this a short um, V curve, uh, V return back to mm. prosperity? Is it a longer U curve back to prosperity? Um, are we through the peak zone of it? Um, so you've got to be careful um, not to get pulled into it. And it's really, it's, you know, it's much easier for me than it is for other people because I'm, I'm a trained coach and I can sort of sometimes coach myself and then I've got brilliant people around me like you and or Chris or you know John my business partners uh, and obviously partners and family and stuff like that um, but one of the things that I sort of I, I try and reflect on is uh, actually your cousin Mark we were having a conversation once about kind of the uh, the highs and lows of being an entrepreneur right so the highs and lows right so uh, you can have like an amazing high like with your first client that you know, gives you your first big bit of income. You think, yeah, I'm on it. And then suddenly another one drops away and then you sort of, you, you lurch and or you, you know, you can't get, you can't ship your product, you can't get stuff out. And then you suddenly do and, and it's up and down. And the key thing is to not move with those highs and lows, right? Mm. Um, constantly, because otherwise your, your body, your system, your energy can't kind of normalize. And the key thing is to like just go as as much as you can, and we're all human, so this you know it's unrealistic to think you can do this the whole time. But to go like travel through it constantly, so don't get too pulled by the highs, don't get too pulled by the lows, and just kind of keep on your journey. And I've been trying to sort of adopt that sort of fa similar framework. Um, I guess I'm more worried about the health impact around you know, around what, what we don't know. Right. So, mm. um, 
I haven't lost anyone close to me, but I know that there have been lots of people that have lost people close to them. And that's when it might become really real, you know. So I, I'm very conscious of that, you know. I, you know, yeah. I can I can live here in my bubble and be with family and stuff like that, and take the positives from it. But I haven't had a, a an impact like that, and that's that's kind of in the back of my mind. Yeah, do you know what? It's it's an important thing to mention as well because as much as I say that it's not affected me in a massively negative way, I have to really, really be aware of the fact that I've got a garden, a nice garden, right? And the weather's been quite nice with that. I live in an area where. I can walk to and be quite immersed in nature very, very quickly. If I lived in a flat, for example, with no garden and my two kids, I don't, I don't know if I, I would be in a, I think I would be in quite a bad place. And I have, and I have, I do, you know, when I see people sat out on the field and that, when, you know, when everyone gets, people get angry and you say you should be staying in and stuff, I do get a little bit like, if you live in a flat, uh, you can sit in you can sit in the field for as long as you want in, in my in my eyes genuinely, and it's a shame. And I know you you know there's a massive discussion to to be had about how you could ever live in a world like that. But it's a shame where we couldn't just say you know what if you live in a flat and you haven't got a garden you can sit in the park and sit in the field because if only the people that didn't have a garden did it they could do it safely with the social distancing that's needed right. But it wouldn't happen. Because if you said that was the rules, everyone would go sit in the field and say that I live in a flat, right? Uh, but I do think it's a shame that we can't do that. And I do get a little bit like when I see the pictures of people sat in the fields and everyone's like, go home, you losers. And, you know, when you see the posts and like stuff like that, I do get a little bit like you don't know their story sat on that field. You don't know if that man sat on the bench over there, for example... He could be married to somebody who is a key worker, right? Who's at the moment working 12 hours a day. They live in a flat with their one with one child or two children. And for what he gets one hour exercise a day and he's used it to go and walk and sit on the bench just to regain his, yeah? Or the woman sat in the field could be the key worker who lives in a flat. And I don't think we think enough about that. We're too quick to just be like, stay at home, I'm doing it. Mm. Um, which actually it's quite a nice segue and leads quite on to something I wanted to talk about. And I want to, talk, and I want to spend a little bit of time talking about Captain Tom Moore. Do you know who Captain Tom Moore is? Yeah, yeah I do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he's 99 years old hero, absolute hero in the eyes of society and what he's done. Uh, I think he's raised somewhere like 23, 24 million pounds for the NHS, uh, walking in his back garden and he's had, he has to use a walking aid in order to do that. Um, and I think it's a special, it shows a special human being that he's he's been able to do this. Uh, but there's a, and I don't think anyone can deny that, right? People are talking about a knighthood. I wouldn't begrudge him a knighthood, right? He is an absolute hero. But the one, the thing that I did want to explore a little bit around it is there was a post floating about on social media Um comparing him to um, Sam Smith, the music artist. Sam Smith had a picture taken. I've seen an article last night, by the way, where he's now, uh, he's now saying that um, he was joking when he had this picture taken. But originally, it was a picture of him sat on, his, on the step of his mansion, crying, um, and there's this big thing of like, this is the difference between the two generations, right? They've got Captain Tom Moore, the hero, doing what he's doing. And then this kind of celebrity figure crying on the front 
doorstep, right? Why, why do you think that that comparison, why do you think firstly that that comparison comes up? Uh, why does it come up? What? I think it comes up because honestly, because there are people that will always want to um, create division. There are people that enjoy, appreciate, benefit from creating division. Yeah. They're actually two isolated situations. There is Completely nothing that isolated. connects them. There is nothing that connects them whatsoever. And in some ways, the people that kind of have generated activity are taking away from the incredible epic feat by sort of by saying, you know, well, this, you know, this is brilliant, but, you know, this is what society is doing. Also, there's this whole thing of, uh, you know, the generations that came before the millennials or Generation Z mm. knew what hardship was. Um, and, you know, the thing is, you know, this wonderful gentleman did not ask to be pulled into this conversation. He no. is he's like, I'm I'm doing this. And then the world got behind it. Uh, look, I would say one thing. It obviously generated some activity, but these are uh, keyboard warriors. OK, yeah. Uh, who uh, who sit around and you know make negative comments? The vast majority who've been talking about this, you know, this incredible fee and the knighthood and stuff, haven't connected it. So I, I think we take it. it we take it with a pinch of salt. Like we do take it with a pinch of salt. But do you do do you think it does open that wider conversation? Of I do think there's a large part of society i don't know whether you could call it a majority but i i would think it would be closer to i don't think it's a minority of society that that believe in the snowflake generation that believe that um we're excuse me there's a lot of people who are too overly sensitive um for example there's still a, i think there's still a big part of society that would say if you've got a lot of money, then you have absolutely no reason whatsoever to struggle with your emotional health or your mental health in any way. I think there's a big part of society that do, does believe that. Now, there's a flip side of this. Now, I, I, I did a post about that post, right? And I, basically, the, the, the idea around my post, I was, was to just say, look, these, you're doing a disservice to this hero, by the way, to, to make this comparison. But also... If we're going to start judging on whose um, difficult emotions are valid, then we're going to start causing huge problems. Yeah. If we start saying actually this person or that person or any given person who says they're struggling does not have a reason to struggle, that's what keeps people silent. Yeah. Um, and that's what starts to cause problems. And we we see all this sort of be kind and open up and talk about the ways that you're feeling, and then. When somebody in a position like Sam Smith does it, we're quick to shut them down and say, you haven't got any reason to feel like that. Now, there's a flip side of this. When I done the post, a few people wrote the sentence, and these are good good people, nice, well-meaning people, right? So I'm not, this is not about calling them out. But some people said to me, mental health does not discriminate, right? And I disagree with that. I don't know what your thoughts, do you think that mental health discriminates? Yeah. Yeah. It does. Yeah. Uh, do you want me to elaborate? Or, yeah, I yeah. do want okay. to elaborate. Okay, so, um, I mean, I think, you know, there, there are, there are um, perspectives, there's 
probably evidence that can point to people that come from lower income backgrounds, from um, certain ethnic uh, communities, you know, uh, social kind of divides um, are, are more likely to be impacted by mental health because of the, the stuff that they have to go through. Mm. So I don't think, you know, I don't, you know, I do think it is discriminatory in that, in that sense. Yeah. So it does discriminate and you can come from the most wealthy of backgrounds, live in a big mansion and still suffer just as bad as anyone else. Right. Sure. So the, the, the reality as always, or as nearly as always happens somewhere in the gray area between, right. And people find it tricky to have that conversation. Uh, Ricky Gervais, I love Ricky Gervais's comedy, right? I love the Office, I'm a super fan of. But he's come out and saying anybody, any celebrity, anybody that's rich that lives in a mansion should shut up at the moment, right? Because they don't know how hard things are. And I understand his sentiment in that, but I also don't make him right. I also don't think that's true necessarily. But I do think there's a conversation to be had about how they probably need to be careful because it would be easy to be sat in a flat and look at somebody in a mansion saying that it's difficult and become resentful towards them. Do you know I, what I mean? I think it's it's a case of using empathy and compassion. Mm. Like if if you use empathy and compassion, then you understand empathy is put, being able to see the other person's perspective. So actually, um, you may be going through struggles and you may be living in a mansion, but understanding what that, that you know those other people are going through it just helps you temper and adjust your tone accordingly mm. and i think some celebrities are just nailing it are doing it brilliantly um mm. and others just didn't get it so you know and but i think who knows everyone's trying to stay focused everyone's trying to stay positive everyone is trying to kind of deliver some sort of uh, positivity or optimism in the best way that they believe they can yeah, it's just a bit tone deaf sometimes. So when Gal, some of it hasn't landed, Gal did Gadot you see the, did the uh, the whole got all the celebrities to sing Imagine, I think. Imagine, and, and it was just it was horrible. Such a, such a poor choice of song oh, as well. No, it's terrible. It's like a load of rich celebrities singing Imagine. There's no heaven or whatever. Yeah, the lyrics of Imagine sort of was kind of. I mean, they got it was it just so a, it wrong. was just a bit naff, wasn't it? It was just a bit naff, and it got and it got panned, and then and then you've got like John Krasinski. It was in our newsletter, and he's doing the good news thing, and mm. you know he's taken it upon himself to take just a really light-hearted uh, kind of um, bring a really light-hearted uh, like news show, and it's fun, it's joyous, and you know, and and I really appreciate that. And without that, that's kind of you know we don't have those moments of joy and entertainment that. Mm. that aren't pre-recorded and it's live so i think it's the right balance and i think um they're getting the tone right i think jimmy fallon kind of doing his shows uh from his like tree house and stuff like that that's pretty cool as well you know so um yeah maybe we're yeah, off topic I, there a little I, bit by the way i do also i do also feel a bit sorry for the people that done the imagine song because I don't think that they look. They're not horrible people. They, no, they and thought, I didn't say that. Though, mate. I said. I said no, I know was... you didn't. I know you didn't. I'm just. I'm just. Uh, you know, it's easy to sort of polarize the conversation because you did watch it and think, "What are you doing?" Yeah, but that was. I think it's tone deaf. Like, yeah, it is tone deaf. A lot of yeah. the singer was tone deaf as well, to be honest. But uh, <laughs> it was just. I think they just thought that they would. They would try and lift the people. I get it, but that's, you don't need to be hearing. Um, 
because it was quite early on and everyone's kind of a bit worried you don't need to hear celebrities singing imagine <laughs> like what's that gonna do anyway anyway it is it look I, I i imagine that the imagine there you go play on words um the intentions were right but i don't know it didn't work but other things are working so that's good so i want to ask you a question go on shoot what makes you happy So let me give you my inner workings of my head when you ask me that question, right? Rather than just try and uh, give you an answer. You ask me the question and then the voice in my head starts to go, you need to give something very spiritual, deep and meaningful here, right? So my natural instinct is to want to give you a really, really good answer to that question. Um, but what makes me feel happy? If happiness is... Um, a state of mind where I feel kind of free and in the moment. That's what I would describe as happiness as being. Uh, I think it's when I've got enough about me to be present in the moment with my family. Mm. When I, which by the way, doesn't come as easily to me as I would like it. I'm being honest with you there. Um, but when I'm with my, when I'm with my kids and I'm lost in the moment, that's when I'm, that's when I'm happy without question um so make it don't, like don't make it so nebulous tell me a moment recently where you were like happy a moment recently when i was happy was uh when my four kids came so i've got two my two youngest kids live with me and then my four kids come on the weekend my four kids hadn't come on their weekend the last weekend before because of everything that was going on the government regulations say that they can move between two parents' houses. Um, and so they they came this weekend. Um, they came and when they were all around the table, right, I have to sit at the, I have to eat my dinner at the side because I can't fit around the table. But when all my kids are around the table um, and it, it's just chaos and everyone's talking, that's when I'm, that's when I'm happy. Because... That's all I ever wanted in my life, ever. Forget everything else, right? And I, look, I chase a lot of stuff and I, you know, I've got lots of ambitions and hopes and all of that stuff. But when I was a kid, all I wanted was to be somebody, right? And to be a dad and to have an environment where, where my kids feel safe. I failed miserably at that originally and I still have the ability to fail at that now. But them moments when that happens, that is, that's what makes me happy. Nothing makes me as happy as that. Wicked. What about you? Um, lots of things, man. Uh, Mate, you, you come know, up with a question, so you should have a you I, should have a stock answer. Of course, I do. Here. Of course, I do. Yeah, of course good. I do. Yeah. No, I'm saying uh, lots of things make me happy. Um, uh, being with my family, being with mates, um, getting down to the sea, you know, all those sorts of things. But the thing that really gives me a lot of joy is cooking and feeding. Yeah. So just cooking for me to eat, yeah, there's a certain level of joy I get, right? But cooking, the whole process of it, thinking about it, you know, like, you know, like the meal I'm going to make and kind of the process of it, I really enjoy cooking and then feeding is the most, ex like, like that's the most enjoyable part for me. So I'll take, I know I've taken a fairly light view on this, right? But I was just thinking, um, you know, Sunday, uh, you know, doing a barbecue or whatever and, you know, just getting ready, you know, and 
uh, getting over the grill and um, cooking and then eating together and stuff like that. That's 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 just you know it's a sim one of my simple pleasures in life that you've never really fed enjoy. me. You've never fed me. Uh, you, you I've been to Brighton. You I've been to your hometown yeah, you loads of times. You haven't and earned you've it. You've never fed me. Chris is you, saying that he's Chris, who I've known for uh, Chris, who I've known for like ten years, probably. He he gives me grief. Um, you have, have you to never earn fed it. him? I have. He keeps forgetting it, but I have. I made him a so roast chicken. So what have chicken. I got to do? What have I got to do in order for you to feed me? Uh, what you have to do. <laughs> I think you got to put the hard yards in, mate. I've only known you two years. <laughs> you got to do another eight years. <laughs> uh, no, no. It's Next happening. time, no, no. Seriously, when this is all said and done, and you can come to Brighton, I'll, I'll cook for you. Yeah. In fairness, you've lost a lot of bets with me, and had to buy me breakfast. So that kind of counts. That would, by the way, another, while we're here, another thing that would make me happy is, um, it, just before all this happened, Liverpool were about to win the league. And, if the and you'd be happy if they got, won the league. That's really, really kind got, of... If the season got cancelled, right, and Liverpool didn't get to win the league, that would that would make me more happy than when my kids are sat around the table. Now that you've said that, you're going to be waiting 20 years for me to cook you a meal. <laughs> like, I'm just going to not even let you in my house ever again. Yeah. Now, um, I, I'd love to have a... A, a, a session where we talk about football and I appreciate that it will be boring for a lot of people so we'll have to kind of mm. make it a bit more interesting for, for the non-football fans but um, yeah we will but there's lots of stuff fans. that we can cover actually yeah. in the way that football yeah. you know there's a mental health and well-being aspect always with me as well yeah. so i got another um, question mate yeah go on you don't like it when I put you on the spot do you no I like it mate I like the game I like the game um I, I was going to ask you what's your proudest achievement, but I scratched that because I sort of think that it doesn't have to be an achievement. So what's your proudest moment? My proudest moment? Um, so far. It, you know what? The, it would be something child-based, right, to do to do with my children, right? And I know this is similar to the happiness one, but like when I was younger, yeah, I always, I, like when people wanted to be firemen, policemen or whatever, doctors when we were at school, right? I just wanted to be a dad and not be a drunk, right? And by the time I was 18, 19 years old, I was a dad and I was a drunk, right? So I think for me, my, my, my my proudest moment is probably to have turned all that around. Now, can I can I pinpoint in my life the moment when I could safely say I turned it all around? Uh, probably not. Probably not. But the very act of knowing that if you asked me, I couldn't be a better dad than what I am now. That's different to me saying I'm the best dad in the world. I couldn't be a better dad than what I am now. Actually, no, see, no, because when I was 18, 19 years old, stuck in the place that I was, I probably couldn't have been a better dad than what I was then. So to be able to show up as a dad in, uh, as the man that I want to be is my proudest achievement. And that might, that might seem a small feat to a lot of people, but to be the man who is 
emotionally, financially, and everything else available for my children in the way that I am, has to be my proudest moment. And with that, like, buying this house and marrying my wife as well, that, you know, I guess those were moments when I kind of cemented something that I'd always longed for and wanted. So, yeah, they, they for me, they would have to be, that would be my proudest achievement. Good answer, right? Very good, good family man answer. Yeah? Love it. Love it. What have you got for me, Has? Actually, I don't. This is like I don't have a single proud moment that I can point to. Like, you know, we're both family men, right? So three the three top uh proudest moments are when I became a dad to each of my kids, right? That goes yeah. without saying. There's nothing more important. Uh, you know me, people don't know me. Uh, people that you know uh, know me now, or you know, have uh, a part of my network, know how important my family is. So there's that. I think of I've, the three children, let me just ask you: of the three children, knowing favorite? them all, knowing them all now, <laughs> which one was the proudest moment? <laughs> um, I couldn't possibly say. Now, equal. I man. know. I equal. saw in your eyes the name come into your yeah. head, and then <laughs> no, uh, equal, equal, equal. And they're like amazing human beings, right? So um, yeah, that makes me proud. Um, Work-wise, I've had loads of proud moments, you know. I think mm. um, moving into, uh, moving away from corporate life into doing this and still being at it five years, that's, a, that's, that's something I'm proud of. Um, setting up different businesses, making, uh, you know, a partnership with Chris and John really work. Uh, we're in a really great space. We've got someone else that's going to be joining us, you know, uh, soon. And when I can share more about that, I will. Um, and... Uh, you know, just, I think I'm really proud of the connections I make in the world, mm. sitting here talking to you. I'm proud of the fact that we're doing this podcast, you know, so I don't, you know, maybe it's sitting on the fence a little bit. There's no one proud this moment. And, you know, maybe if we come back in a year's time, I might have something that we've done or I've done that I can really point to. Um, mm. But I think the point is it's always important to, as a, as a society, even as humans, maybe we, we tend to point to the things that aren't working, right? And mm. we try and fix those. And actually, sometimes it's good to just reflect and say, you know, this is what this is what we're proud of. Um, I've got one more question. Good. I like this. All right. It's one more question think. before we go into our little final segment. Um, who or what inspires you? <laughs> the, the, so this is just going to sound really... Uh, I want to use the word wanky because uh, I'm inspired by my kids, man. And I know I've given the same answer every time and I sound like I'm just trying to be a certain kind of person. But my uh, the answer I always give with who am I inspired by is my kids. My kid, And I'm talking all of them, right down to the two-year-old. Yeah, I'm inspired by uh, my four kids from my previous marriage tenacity um and ability to still be kind and loving in a in a world that wasn't so kind and loving to them in their initial years and i'm inspired by my my youngest two girls i'm inspired by um their ability to be exactly who they are their freedom of their ability to you know my my three-year-old daughter's you know like a mum in sort of very strong world very happy to say no doesn't care how what i think when she says no uh, which makes her harder to parent but 
but uh, you know, love her all the same for that. So, so definitely, um, definitely my 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 six children. Um, but to give you a, a slightly different answer as well, uh, Gabor Mate is like my my big inspiration for my work. The way that he talks, yeah. So I guess his learnings and his work around compassion and stuff like that. Um, Why did you me. do that, by the way? So I'm going to interrupt. You didn't need to add in Gabor. Like we can talk about him another time. Like your kids. Yeah, I just didn't want to. I didn't. No, but wanna, you did. I, Listen, you make the yeah. you made the choice, and it's brilliant. And yeah. I love it, and it's great. Yeah, but you don't I you don't agree. need to validate it with the next I, bit. The next bit, yeah. Okay, agreed. So, what about you? Very current, very obvious. Um, but frontline, frontline people, I'm gonna say, frontline mm. people right now are inspiring me massively. Um, and I'm and I'm not just calling out you know medical staff right. They are obviously at the forefront and they're throwing themselves into it, and that is incredibly inspirational. And they deserve the round of applause every Thursday at eight pm. And I'm proud to kind of do that. Mm. But just everyone that's showing up, you know, like you know, like going into the supermarket and you know people there working. It's like it's for a lot of people that's not a vocation, right? For a lot mm. of people, it is. And it's, it's no disrespect what I'm saying here, right? It's not, a, for a lot of people, it's not the purpose that, you know, that, that's driving them. So to kind of keep doing it, putting themselves out, coming to yeah. work, because they've, they've got families, they've got um, themselves, their, their health to, to worry about. Uh, and I think that's like inspirational for us to kind of keep doing our bit right now, but also as a kind of uh, optimism, as you talked about, you know, mm. last time for you know hope for the future the light right which is you know that deep down when it counts people are stepping up and i think mm. that's amazing um so yeah that's what's inspiring me and i know it's very topical and stuff and um but i think that i will take that beyond whatever period we're in i think there's just yeah. something to take from that and i hope the nation does i hope we do that as people i hope we really do realize you know the, these i think there will be a shift and change in perception of that a special mention, you know, from my perspective for teachers as well, that in the way that they've pivoted. Um, you know, I say, how have they been able to deal with a crisis with limited resources so well? And that's because teachers' jobs are basically dealing with crisis with limited resources. That's what they do for a living. Yeah. When you go into the schools and you, and you realise the complex set of needs that every individual comes with. So, yeah, all of them, from, from, the, from the binman to the... To everybody that's still working, like you say, when you go in the shops as well. So, yes, it's a good one, has nice, nice, and very topical, which is good because we're a topical show. Which, by the way, why we're there talking about a topical show? Uh, I just want to let the listeners know that we now have an Instagram account. We do one hundred and fifteen miles pod. Uh, I think we've got thirteen followers at the moment. Mate, we are flying, absolutely flying. Thirteen. Uh, actually, it's worth while we're here as well. You set up the account, didn't you? Yeah. The account has is following three people. Yeah. Yeah. So I think when you when you open the account, it asks you who you want to follow, right? Right. So you pick, you're following me, my account. Right. Which is good. There's two others, Nike and The Rock. Can you just talk us through? <laughs> can you just talk us through uh, your your thinking process behind? You know what? I'm going to follow Josh because he's one of the hosts. Uh, 
And I'm going to follow Nike and The Rock. Well. Because you could have followed none. You could have just followed me. Yeah. So what made you think, no, actually, 115 miles pod, at 115 miles pod, ought to be following Nike and The Rock as well? Well, you know I love cooking. And The Rock's uh, phrase is, you know what's cooking. <laughs> <laughs> um uh, it's actually if you smell what the rock is cooking. I don't know. You know, I actually don't know. I like, I like, I like Dwayne Johnson. I think he's cool, um, and I quite like Nike. No, honestly, I wish I had a better answer, uh, um, but uh, I thought you had to follow someone. They were the first two that showed up, so I just went click, click, and then obviously yeah. I had to f follow the, the 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 social media god that is Josh Connolly. <laughs> to get going so uh, i think yeah. on another episode it's worth unpacking your love for the, the rock dwayne johnson yeah yeah i'm happy to do it i'm a sensitive male i can talk about you know my emotions it's all good yeah, yeah good um good. all right reasons to be cheerful yes so you know uh, as a reminder uh, from our last episode we want to end our podcast uh, with a brief chat on things that we're seeing in the world that give us reasons to be cheerful. Yeah. And you went first last week, so I'll go first this week. Shall I? All right. Nice. So mine's a very personal one this week. Family? Um, <laughs> eh? The family? <laughs> <laughs> no, go on. Oh, it's exactly the same. No, go on, go on, go on. It ties in no, go on, everything go on. that I've said. Go on. Uh, last week was National Announcement Day for primary schools, and my daughter... Uh, Maya starts primary school in September and she got we we got the school that we wanted for first choice we went and visited these three different primary schools um, and the one that sort of had a bit of a focus on sport and we liked the kind of general feng shui of the school we got given that school so amazing that was a really proud moment proud that we've got you know we're happy that we got the right school um, and you know, our little Maya's going to school. That's it now, you know, that's like a big, big step. And the one thing that I do hope, kind of on the flip side of it, I, I really hope she gets to, because we started putting her into spree, uh, preschool a couple of days a week just to get her ready. I hope the next time she goes back to school, she gets to go to preschool for even just a week mm. before we just throw her straight into the other school. But mm. no, it was, a, it was a happy moment. My wife cried, like my wife cries at every... Uh, every kind of uh, moment like that that we've had with the children, you know, when they potty train and go for all that. But yeah, so that is my Amazing. reasons to be cheerful. Yeah, and it just reminds you that, you know, there is, there's an end to all of this and things will go back to normal and our children will go back to school and all yeah. that stuff. So, yeah. Yeah, that's mine. Okay, well, connected in a way, actually, it, around children is uh, this thing that I sort of really struck me as I was as I was reflecting over the last sort of week or so was um, I saw that um, there are people in India, so over 125 miles away um, from the Himalayan mountain range are now seeing it for the first time. For some, it's, you know, uh, for the first time in their lives. But, you know, for the for the last 30 years, it's been covered in pollution. And wow. so to kind of suddenly, you know, wake up and say, oh, my God, look at look at that vista. That's awesome. So why have I made that segue for our children? Right. Um, and what I'm taking from this in, in whilst we are trying to navigate this. As humans, what I, the reason I'm cheerful is that nature seems to be breathing again. 
mm. right? Nature seems like if you if you think that it was probably very suffocated, nature was suffocated with all the pollution. It seems breathing again, and it's sort of correcting itself at a fairly quick pace. And obviously, there are you know there are long term kind of repercussions around the damage to the environment, right? But what the reason to be cheerful is it's taking the moment and go. I'm going to pop these mountain ranges back into view. I'm going to get yeah. dolphins to swim in the Venice canals. Um, you know, I'm going to get uh, was it uh, goats to run around a Welsh farm and you know pick up their food. Like a, I think uh, it's it's pretty awesome. And yeah, yeah. So that's that's my reason to be cheerful. What a way to finish, Has. What a way to finish. I love the reasons to be cheerful thing. I yeah. think it's a really good way to end. Uh, so we've done it, mate. Free. Anything else you want to add to the episode before we sign out? No, I'm looking forward to the next one. I wish everyone well. And uh, yeah, we'll see them next time. Thanks again for listening to 115 Miles with Josh Connolly and Hassan Kaya. Wouldn't say my day.